We welcome you to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron, one of the things we wanted to talk about on the show is something that is is ever-present and is probably really in a rather tenuous position right now, and that's the case of charitable giving. So many charities out there rely on the generosity of Canadians and people all over the world to keep their doors open, to keep functioning. And one would have to think, in light of the pandemic, that on the other side of it, some charities are going to be facing very difficult times. Oh, you know, charity is a big, big number. In fact, the number is staggering. It's estimated that there's $200 billion that are given to charity every year. In Canada, that number is about $9 billion dollars. Uh, the average Canadian donates about $300 annually. So uh, we're talking big numbers here. And, you know, I, I in my broadcasting career, I was involved with a number of charities over the years, sat on a few boards, and, and have done my share of fundraising. I know how difficult it can be walking in with, as I used to say, your hat in your hand and asking for somebody to put money in it. And, and that's the challenge that they're going to have. And, and it's not the big, high-profile charities, if you will, that everybody's used to, it's the, it's the lesser ones that I think are really going to feel the crunch here. Yeah, they don't have the advertising dollars. The, certainly, they, they don't have the infrastructure to go out and, and get money. So I, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be a real challenge for these guys in the post-pandemic world. And another reason I think it's going to be a big challenge is, frankly, when you have... Oh, I think in Alberta right now, we're looking at 15% unemployment. And, you know, this could go over 20% before, you know, things calm down and people start going back to work. And so when people are living off their savings, usually the last thing they have in mind is to give to charitable organizations when they're having enough trouble just putting food on their table and paying for the basic expenses out of their own pocket. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about how this all works. We often hear the word aid, AID, and and I think a lot of people ask the question is aid good or is it bad? We've taken some time and gone through the numbers. You see aid being given to countries that frankly are an economic mess and it doesn't seem to help them. It seems to be a bit more of a band-aid. In fact, if you look at a chart, the more aid you give, the worse the economic growth becomes. So I think in many cases, what aid tends to breed is dependence. And what you want to breed is independence. You want to establish a culture in a country where they're setting up businesses, they become entrepreneurial, uh, they create wealth, they hire people, but that isn't always the case. I know a good example is when we were touring Africa a number of years ago, and we drove through mile after mile after mile of fields, and uh, we stopped and I looked at the soil, and it was really rich soil. And so I was asking the tour guide, why is not there more agricultural activity on this land because, you know, the country wasn't in good shape. The extra economic activity would have produced income. And he said, oh, it's simple. We get all this aid from 
the United Nations and other uh, aid organizations, and all the grain and other foodstuffs they give us, it ends up on the black market. And, of course, when it ends up on the black market, they undercut the price so that legitimate farmers can't produce goods cheap enough to compete. So they go bankrupt. So, unfortunately, aid doesn't necessarily help. And, you know, you look at some of the major organizations that have done research on this, and uh, they found that, especially with some of the big governments giving aid, that only uh, as much as 20% never even leaves to the country, and as much as two-thirds of government aids ends up supporting infrastructure instead of going to where it's supposed to be going. And even when it gets there, lots of research shows that as much as 30% of that aid can end up in the pockets of uh, third-world uh, corrupt officials. So you've got to be very, very careful where you're putting your money because many times it's not going to places that you would like it going. It's not going to the needy. It's going to infrastructure. It's going to corrupt officials. Uh, a number I saw from, from actually one of the big aid watchdog organizations that kind of keeps track of these things said that just in aid alone to Africa, $500 billion of that has been squirreled away in Swiss bank accounts by corrupt governments and officials. So here again, if you're giving money, and we're all very altruistic, we want to see our money going to the best places. We see pictures of kids starving in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh and many uh, countries, and our heart just bleeds for these kids. But you have to put your money in the right place because money's a very finite resource, especially after the pandemic. And if you want to help people, want to make your money go as far as you can, you want to get the biggest bang for your buck for the aid or, or the charity dollars that you're putting out. You know, I, things come to mind on this, and, I, and I've thought about this a lot. As you say, you see those just heart-wrenching commercials on television where they're, they're asking for support. Then you see the other side of it, things like the federal government doling out you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to these foreign countries. And if you do any amount of reading, you know how much of this, as you say, ends up in the wrong hands. So, for instance, some an organization like Doctors Without Borders, who do fantastic work and are looking for support, as opposed to a big relief organization like the UN, which just funnels out money left, right, and center, that's a choice you can make to put your support where you think it will do the most good. I've supported for years an organization actually out of Edmonton that every year they send teams of orthopedic surgeons down to South America, and their expense ratio is about 5%. In other words, for every dollar you put in, 95 cents of it, actually goes to performing operations and procedures on kids that have, in, in this case, they have club feet and they have other orthopedic problems. And, you know, you get one adult male in a household down there that can work. There's these households that have maybe three generations in them. Mm -hmm. So if you can add an additional wage earner to that household all of a sudden you're feeding maybe a dozen or maybe even two dozen people 
and have improved the welfare of not just one person, but intergenerationally large families. So it's pretty exciting to, to, to be able to see what you can do, and especially how these organizations can run with very, very little overhead. They're, they're, they're not very top-heavy. Most of the money goes to the bottom line, and that's uh, I know where I like to put my money. And I know if you do a little bit of homework, you can find that information out. You can find about the operating costs of a charity, how much of their money that's taken in actually gets dispensed to the cause. Everything has an overhead to it. We understand that. But some organizations, charities particularly, are really top-heavy in organization, and the money doesn't end up doing a whole lot. No, for example, you look at government organizations, and I've got three studies here which I'm looking at right now, and on average, it's a 70-30 split. 70% gets spent on administration, 30% actually goes to where it needs to go. Uh, there's an organization called uh, Charity Navigator, uh, charitynavigator.org, and they do uh, a lot of efficiency studies on organizations, and they found that 70% of charities that they rated spend at least 75% of their budgets on programs and services that they exist to provide. So those are getting to be solid numbers because you're getting the bulk of your money actually going to help people and, and not to pay for salaries and advertising and marketing and all the other expenses uh, that uh, many of these organizations have. So you, know, you can go to uh, charity navigator.org and there's you, you go on to Google or Bing or whatever search engine you use and just look at uh, or do a search for these companies that are essentially in the business to evaluate the effectiveness of charities and they've got a lot of metrics they use and frankly we'll be going through some of them on this show to just talk about how efficient is the organization that you want to give money to? Is the money going to the right place, first of all? Um, is, it, is it being effective? And so that's what this podcast is about, is trying to give you some metrics that you can evaluate it, because if you're like the rest of us, and I mean, most of our listeners are, they work very, very hard for their money. You want to see that money that you've worked very, very hard for be as effective as it can possibly be. I think, too, Ron, you know, at the end of this, maybe it's not the, the driving reason, but for a lot of people, they give to charities because there is a taxable benefit to it. Is that something we should always take into consideration? I mean, not all charities issue tax receipts. No, and most charities have a status with the IRS and CRA that allows donations made to them to be tax deductible. And the nice thing about this, whether you see it or not, the amount of taxes that you pay, especially the hidden taxes, the taxes in gasoline, property taxes, things. Most of us are up near the 50% tax bracket when you, you take all those hidden things out of the equation. You want to get a tax break, especially if you're a high income earner anyways, because it means that for every dollar you contribute, you pay 50 cents less in tax if you're in the 50% tax bracket. I don't know about you, Gord, but I know about me, I would rather contribute to the charities I want to contribute to than pay taxes to the government. I yeah. just think that many of the charities that I contribute to, and I'm sure you do too, 
they're very efficient with their money, and they're doing really, really great things with it, where often you look at what governments spend their money on, and you're totally horrified with how they waste it. So at least by getting that 50 cents that you'd normally give to the government in taxes, you can control that and give it to charities that are really going to do some good for people. Not that I'm against taxes. We need roads. We need bridges. We need police. We need education and all those things. But especially when it comes to charities, I think they can be much, much more efficient than governments can. So I guess there's a little bit of a, a clarion call right now that if you are somebody who donates regularly to charities and, and you're feeling the crunch right now, as so many people are, you're going to think that out. Maybe you cut back your charitable giving a little bit this year, but don't give up because there are a lot of people out there that need your support. Let's talk a little bit about the charities too. Do, do some of them offer matching programs, for instance? If you're a high-profile donator, what you'll do is issue a challenge to the organization or the charity that you're about to donate money to. So let's say you're going to stroke them a check for a million dollars. Well, often you'll say, look, I'll give you a million dollars, but it's in the form of matching donations. So I'll go up to a million dollars worth of donations, but for every dollar you get other people to put in, I will put a dollar in up to a million dollars, for example. Now, the wonderful thing about this is the fact that if you're sitting there looking for a charity to donate to, well, here's your opportunity with some deep-pocketed benefactor who's saying that they'll match your donation. And so if you put in a dollar, the benefactor is going to put in a dollar to match it all the way up to a certain amount. So this is a way, especially if you have a charity that you really, really like, and they offer this kind of program. It's not all the time because... Not all the time are you going to have someone with deep pockets come up and stroke a big check. But occasionally, there will be opportunities where that benefactor will be there. And so for the charity to get that total amount, they have to match it with other donors. So uh, it's a very good opportunity for you to really leverage up. I guess a question that a lot of people would have, too, is you send this money to a charity. What happens to it? Does it go in the bank, or does it get spent right away, or how is it administered, right? They call it the recycle ratio. In other words, when you send them a dollar, how much of that money actually goes to the bottom line or how much of it gets put into a bank account or investments. And, you know, there's a big Utah charity, and I'm not going to sit here. I mean, this, this is not like uh, 60 Minutes or W5 where we're trying to expose anyone, but there's... There's a big charity in Utah, for example, and people are just beginning to find out uh, that that charity has over $100 billion in investments. They have a massive portfolio with professional managers, not only in Utah, but you know, in Wall Street and in Europe, that are managing a huge amount of money for them. And you know, as a donator, you have to be asking yourself questions for an organization that has a huge chunk of the donations or end up going into investment portfolios. What exactly is happening? Now, I know certainly if, if you've gone to church over the years, there's always a building fund where if you're in a little church or, or frankly, maybe you belong to a club or something and everybody wants their own building, where they'll set up a building fund and it can take a number of years to get enough donations to actually build the thing. 
that's a completely different story than having these massive accounts that are set up with the sole purpose to make that money really, really grow bigger instead of going to the, to the reason or to the people these charities were originally set up to help in the first place. I, you know, just off of first blush, it, if I was looking at something like that and I saw a charity that had a, a, a nest egg of $100 billion, I'd be inclined to look elsewhere to make my donation. Well, I think so. You <laughs> yeah. know? So these are just common sense questions. And, you know, you want to ask yourself, what exactly is the charity doing? Now, obviously, if, if a charity is feeding the poor, that's, that's a good thing. But here again you're not solving the underlying problem. If you could donate to a charity that could educate these people in these third world countries so that they'd have the skills to feed themselves, well, to me, that is a much more efficient use of money. And I'm not saying people that are starving don't deserve money, because they certainly do. But the only way we're going to be able to end hunger and starvation is... You know, there's a good chunk of the world that still can't read and write. They have absolutely no job skills whatsoever. And as technology marches on here in the 21st century, they're getting left further and further behind. So places that can provide the tools for people to be able to help themselves, those seem to me to be very, very worthwhile charities that at least some of a person's money should go to where you're actually helping people to help themselves. And I guess the final question that we could ask you, Ron, is is you have to make a personal decision, I suppose, about any charitable donation, but do you start close to home? Do you, do you look at the ones that you can see right out your front door when you're driving around town? You think, boy, that place needs help. You know, I think of like the mustard seed as an example in Edmonton. Uh, you know the great work that they do with the homeless and things like that, as opposed to a far-reaching charity that needs your help in, in a third-world country. That's a decision you have to make, right? That's definitely a decision you have to make, and especially Alberta has the sort of triple whammy of the pandemic right now and low oil prices and pipeline constrictions and, and carbon tax and all the other things that are making it very, very difficult. And there's, there's a lot of needy people just in our own hometown. But to put this in perspective, why you, I think you want to have a balanced approach to giving gourd. What they consider poverty in North America compared to what they consider poverty in some of the places in Asia and Africa that I've been to where people can work all day in the rice fields and make a dollar or two a day. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, a thousand dollars can go a long way in Edmonton. But go a whole lot farther in, in some of those third world countries. Exactly. We're, yeah. we're at a dollar a day and you've got a family of four or five, and you've got, you, you come home every night, and there's not enough food to go around, and it's going to be who's going to go hungry tonight. So there is need in our own area, absolutely, especially in Alberta right now with, with all the economic problems they have. But when you compare our needs, which we're a relatively wealthy country, to the needs of a third-world country where they make five, six hundred dollars a year, and they work 15 hours, 10 to 15 hours a day in back-breaking jobs to do that. There's a very, very different, different, big difference in, in what they consider poverty and what we consider poverty. So it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Totally. Yeah.
Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Don't forget about charity. As we say, we understand, fully understand the situation that's going on right now coming out of the pandemic. And I don't know how long it's going to be before we can officially say we're out of the pandemic. I think it's going to be with us for a while. But uh, we understand that maybe charitable giving will be uh, pulled back a little bit. But don't forget about those that are really in need. That's really what the message is here, correct, Ron? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to come back, and we're going to, speaking of that, I guess we could tie that into our next show, is how to up your savings game. If you're trying to find a way to put a little bit of extra money away, whether to give to charity or to look after your financial future, that's what we're going to delve into in the next episode of Making Money. Remember, if you have a question for us, you can reach us through our website at letsmakemoney.ca or drop us a note through the cfcw.com website as well. We're back next week with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, with another edition of Making Money. We'll join you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.